So I was watching. Uh, I was watching Ten Things I Hate About You today, and uh-huh, sure, classic Halloween film. <laughs> are there are there prop houses in L.A. that specifically do uh, school desks, but sized for adults? Uh, because I think that's for the podcast, right? the prop house, not the flop house. Start. Well, fucking prop house, fucking FaceTime me right now. I got my phone on, just waiting for your FaceTime. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good. I mean, adults and high school students are not that, dis- not that dissimilarly sized. Yeah, I think you have not. Have when was the last time you tried to sit in one of those desks? I think I was seventeen. The last time <laughs> yeah. I sit in one of those desks. I think you can remember exactly. Cool, cool save. <laughs> I I definitely sat in one when I I I was trying to be uh, I was trying to be a teacher I was misguided uh, and <laughs> it was tough man it was tough to fit in that cram my uh, cram well you cram know that the big, teachers don't really cram sit. my big wiener and balls into that <laughs> into that chair teachers usually wow. have bigger desks they don't usually sit <laughs> yeah. in little student I mean desks. I did a but little that, they didn't uh, give me the offer like I had to sit in the desk for the like interview process oh I see oh I okay see. I was like I, I did a little class. substitute I teaching and I never no, sat I didn't get in I didn't get that far I thought you were like hey let's break down the barriers I'm not any better than you why should I have this big desk I'll sit in one of your teeny weeny desks well it's like one of those one of those Broadway shows where like you suddenly realize that the whole cast is like hidden in the audience (laughs) (laughs) where like all the kids are like looking around like where's the student where's the teacher it's just a student here and i whip off my fucking beret and my half cape and i'm like i'm not one of you cool kids it's me Stuart. (laughs) (laughs) okay in that voice huh yeah yeah i was trying something new i mean they all made fun of me and i left uh crying (laughs) Well, I feel like we've started the episode already. Uh, that's okay, all, that's fine. I'll just mention that uh, uh, this is welcome to Flophouse. This is a mini week when we do not talk about a movie that we watched, but instead just kind of do whatever. I, of course, am the rotating host for this episode. My name is Elliot mm. Kalen, and joining me are my co-hosts who have also taken their turn hosting minis, and they are Dan McCoy. Stuart Wellington. And guys, uh, I've got a very exciting mini for you today. People may remember uh-huh, my yeah. Elliot Explains the Eternals episode from oh. um, whenever that was. Uh, I've, I don't remember anything about it. Okay, well, all you need to know is uh, the Eternals are fairly dull. Uh, but I'm sure the movie will be very exciting. Uh, so I was super excited recently when I learned of the casting of, well, not super excited, let's say I was intrigued, casting of Will Poulter as Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm. Adam Warlock is one of my favorite Marvel characters. Mm -hmm. Of course, my favoriteist is Spider-Man. But uh, Adam Warlock might be number two, and he's a character a lot of people don't know. He's a very, uh, he's an interesting character. He's kind of the closest that Marvel Universe has to Elric of Mel Nibbany. Uh, the mm-hmm. Michael Moore that character. doesn't clear it up anymore for me. <laughs> now that I think I've, I, now that I think I've explained him in terms we all understand. <laughs> oh, <no>. um, <laughs> it's time for uh, something I'm going to call Elliot explains Adam Warlock. So here's the Elliot explains Adam wow, Warlock song. Oh, okay. Sometimes people don't know about Adam Warlock, like me. <laughs> don't worry, pal. I'm going to tell you all about Warlock from New Mutants. No, a different character named Warlock. He's got a first name, Adam. So here we go. I'm going to show you all about Adam Warlock. Wait, hold on. Did you guys hear? Hold on a second. Wait. No. Someone was knocking at my door. Hold on a second. Oh, dear. Yeah? Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah, sorry. 
Guys, I apologize. Uh, something's come up. We're not going to be able to do the Elliot Explains Adam Warlock episode. Uh, someone just walked in. He wanted to talk to you guys. Uh, he should probably introduce himself. Well, hello, yeah. gentlemen. It's oh. me, Tom Brokaw, America's a- favorite newsman. And I have to say, I had to come here from my complex in Bozeman, Montana, when I heard that Elliot was hoping to do a Flophouse Mini without asking me to join and talk about the movie event of the third millennium. That's right, the new adaption of Dune. Oh, uh, the movie event oh, of the second millennium, of course. Oh, it's was Tom the, Brokaw, yeah. Yeah, it was the 1984 adaptation of Dune. And the movie event of the first millennium was the Bible, I guess. Uh, Dan, do you have any <laughs> questions? Uh, now that I'm here, I, I very much wanted to talk about the film yeah. Dune, which no, opened in theaters the Dune, weekend before be- we record this. Uh, yes, be- Daniel? Before you uh, do that, uh, maybe you should just explain to our younger listeners who the hell you are. Just... Just because they may only know you as a a, a Dune fanatic. Uh, it's po- I mean, at this point, that is pretty much my full-time occupation, is spreading the gospel of Frank <laughs> Herbert's uh, brilliant Dune mm-hmm. novel series. But uh, some may know me as the... Your, your, ask your parents about me, and they'll tell you that I was the longtime host of NBC Nightly News, and perhaps the most trusted man in American broadcasting for uh-huh. quite some time. I also co-wrote the uh, bestseller The Greatest Generation, uh, the story <laughs> of the men and women who fought World War II. It's an epic tale, uh-huh. uh, almost as exciting and as inspiring as that of Paul Atreides, the heir of House Atreides, as he makes his way from callow youth to the Kwisatz <laughs> Haderach, the one who is seeking to bring uh-huh. enlightenment to the universe, but instead yeah. contributes only violence and conflict in the end, and eventually has a descendant who becomes a big sandworm. It's amazing in a later book. <laughs> uh, so that's, so that, that's me, yeah. Tom Brokaw, but you perhaps know me best as Dunehead number one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> No, that, that, yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know anything about uh, the story where it goes after the uh, initial novel. So this is interesting. <laughs> this, well, this and throw, now, out, throw out everything you think you know about Dune Dan or Dan okay. Dune or Dunesbury, which I was very disappointed to discover years ago was not a comic strip adaptation of Dune, the novel, uh, or in fact a delicious berry, which <laughs> when you ate it gave yeah. you the knowledge of the Dune series. It is in fact a political comic yeah. strip following a uh, ever-expanding yeah. cast yeah. of characters mm-hmm. uh, as they live in these this modern America. But Dan, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a it's an amazing ride. I highly, I highly advise you to take it. And uh, if you gentlemen yeah. have no... Uh, Objection! I think it's time for another installment of my recurring segment. If it mm. ain't a Brokaw, Dune fix it. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> what's I guess uh, we what's can. your? Uh, so I'm assuming you saw this in the movie theater because you want yeah. the full experience, right? I you very. Mu- I did not see it. Well, that I did watch it both in the theater and at home to see if it was a full second screen experience. The second mm-hmm. screen was an iPad with Dune playing on it as I watch <laughs> Dune on my large television. Uh, I call my iPad my small television and my regular television my large television. I refer to movie screens as a big, big television. 
So I did see it first on the big, big television. Uh, first, yeah. by myself. Uh, secondly, with my wife, Lorraine Bracco. And then third, I <laughs> saw it uh, in 4D where your chair shakes when the spaceships are going up and down. Uh, then I uh-huh. watched it at home on the small television and also the, the teeny tiny television. Is that what I called them before? I don't remember. Uh, yeah. But yes, I've seen it a few times now uh, like in a, the past like few days. four or five screen What's, uh, what was your uh, What was your What was your snack of choice? <laughs> well, I wanted to say to myself, what would they eat in the world of Dune? So, of course, uh-huh. I had yeah. a tube going it's into my point. mouth that was attached to my own sweat glands so mm-hmm. I could recycle my uh, my moisture like the Fremen yeah. on Arrakis would do. Uh, and otherwise, there's not a lot of food in Dune. And so I mostly ate sand and worms. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. a big bowl of worms and sand. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> now, Sounds delicious. Okay, cool. Just when one uses the spice as a as a drug rather than a, a means of interstellar travel, do do you eat that or is that a do you inhale it? I uh, I was unclear about that element of the, the grains the of the spice are so small that you can. It's uh, more tr- uh, more trouble not to inhale them, and that is why oh, it certainly. suffuses the air of the planet. And if you spend too much time on Arrakis, you will become a spice addict who cannot live for long outside of the planet itself without a supply of spice. Spice mm. melange, yeah. 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 The, it so, must blow. Uh, did either, either of you, and I, this, I know this is a foolish question, did either of you uh, see the film, of course, knowing that it is a, it, it was perhaps the defining cultural event of our generation. I include you both in my generation, although I am <laughs> roughly thirty yep. years older than you. <laughs> well, I saw it. Uh, yeah, I saw it uh, two days ago. Stuart, did you see it? I have tickets to see it tomorrow, but oh. last also, night I played Dune Imperium, the board game version of the movie. Oh wow! I played the role of Paul Atreides, and I lost. To uh, the Harkonnens. Well, uh, spoiler alert, that's not what happens in the story. <laughs> uh, I, I apologize. I, I will have many spoilers to talk about, I'm sure. But that's fine. to be honest, if you haven't read Dune by now, are you even really human? Probably not. And so no. I have no compunction about spoiling a story you should have read. I also just looked myself up on Wikipedia and realized I am about 40 <laughs> years older than you, not 30 years. And still, I consider oh, us you. all the same generation, Generation Dune, those of us who are here for the year <laughs> 1 AD, that is, after Dune, uh, which yep. all time will be considered from now on. Now, uh, Daniel and St- so Stuart, you did see the movie before playing the game or you did not? I have not seen the movie yet, although I did hear we did get some good news today. Dune 2, it's on the way. It was announced today that Dune Part 2 will be coming to theaters in the year 2023. Uh, And a very long time to wait to find the ending of the series. But, you know, it's. I feel like they made the right choice by splitting the film into two so that you could really spend a lot of time walking through the desert just looking mm-hmm. at how beige everything is. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan, what were your thoughts about the film? I know what my thoughts are. What are yours? Uh, well, you know what? I've, I've read the book once, the first book. Uh, it seemed to be a pretty... Uh, a pretty faithful adaptation of the first half of the first book. Um, 
I found it a little it didn't bother you. It didn't bother you what? that there were no quotes no. from the Princess Arulin, uh telling us about what about the future of Maud Dib? <laughs> oh, that's right. There are those little quotes that uh, enter the thing. You can so. call them little quotes. I think they encompass a galaxy of wisdom. <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that element. <laughs> uh, no, I, I thought it was a very, very beautiful uh, movie. I liked Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson's performances. What? You uh, love two great actors? Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they are. Uh, I, I found it a little bit of a, a, a pretty... Uh, 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 it's like looking at a very pretty diorama that I wasn't that engaged by uh, narratively. But uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I understand that you have to keep in mind that inevitably any adaptation of Frank Herbert's work is akin to looking at the world through a keyhole. There's only so much <laughs> they can provide of the uh, macrocosm mm-hmm. that exists within that beautiful tale. Uh, I uh, so, so at least you felt uh, like you were enjoying the experience, even if it didn't enrapture you the way that, say, the book Dune might. <laughs> I enjoyed the first two hours and it was then was kind of bored by the last 30 minutes. But uh, So yeah, you weren't I, as much of a fan of the scenes where they were just walking through the sand? <laughs> yeah, those, those got a little samey. <laughs> I have to admit that uh, I had a few similar thoughts about it. I thought it was a very fine adaptation of the film. Uh, there, I did not mind the... Uh, walking through the sand, but at the same time, I did have to leave the theater very briefly during that sequence. Uh, Perhaps I was overcome by seeing this world brought to life before me. Perhaps I had had just uh, too much Coca-Cola and had to (laughs) eject the extra fluid from my bladder. That was, in fact, what happened, and I remember being angry at my own urine stream at how long it was taking to leave my body and get Mm -hmm. me back into the theater. Perhaps if I had been wearing a still suit, I would have just let it flow, knowing it would come back to me as drinkable Mm -hmm. water and stayed in my seat watching the film. Another, it's the strange thing is that I did not learn my lesson and had to leave to use the bathroom at the same exact point every time I watched the film. (laughs) Even And I had it on my phone uh, to watch it that sequence while I was using the bathroom, and yet somehow I still managed to miss the scene. I suppose it was hard to hold my own manhood and hold the phone steady and watch the Mm -hmm. screen without causing quite a mess. And so there is a sequence when he was walking through the sand that I was not completely privy to. But keeping that in mind, I feel like I got the gist of the major narrative. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I think you're safe, yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson. Did you have trouble? <laughs> Did you not approve of the other performances in the film? I thought Timothy Chalamet acquitted himself quite fine, and uh, Zendaya did what she could with a role that was essentially just her looking at the camera with her hair blowing around her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the uh, the marketing of this has uh, foregrounded Zendaya, and that you know she's a she's a wonderful, uh, very charismatic actress and personality. I understand why they would do that, but yes, uh, I can only assume that uh, you know, because her character doesn't come into the book uh, until after what the movie covers, uh, they were like, hmm, how can we shoehorn as much of this uh, charismatic performer into our movie as possible? Let's just have a bunch of flash forwards of her sort of uh, yeah, looking wistful in front I of will the say, sunlight. Yeah, the amount of screen time she has as Chani, it was not enough yet to topple her as Michi in my particular <laughs> understanding yeah, of Zendaya's yeah, career. 
Uh, now, Stuart, when you were playing uh, Dune Imperium, uh, uh-huh. what was it that you felt lost you the game? How how did you fail as Paul Atreides, as he could very well fail, if he takes the wrong path and makes the wrong decision? Uh, my, uh, I had made a, uh, a play for the, uh, for in a battle and I thought I had won it, but I was betrayed by another player who won the battle, but ended up losing both of us the game. So I guess I'd focus too much on military strength. Mm. Hmm. It seems like you, in a way, uh, lived the experience not of Paul, but of Duke Leto after having put his faith into his doctor, only to be Dr. Wellington Yu, played by Chang Chang, mm-hmm. and only to be betrayed. Spoiler alert, but again, you should have read the book by now. You should yeah. know these things are happening. Or seen the other movie. Or yeah. seen the other movie, the one directed by Alan Smithy, uh, a talented <laughs> young director. I don't know what else he's done, but uh, he did well, a fine said, job uh, with the <laughs> He did Burn Dune. Hollywood Burn, an Alan Smithy film. Uh, <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. Is it like Dune? <laughs> well, <laughs> they were both not successful. Uh, I would say that the Dune from 1984 is successful on its <laughs> own terms, which is as a crazy kind of spaghetti mess of a movie. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I meant as uh, you know, in, in a larger, in a larger sort of financial sense. Yes, yes, yes. I think part of the problem was in the uh, their understanding of the Dune series. Uh, it was uh, very much in 1984 seen as a new kind of Star War, and it is very much not a Star War. Now, this movie, on the other hand, one of the few issues I had with it was that it could have used a little bit more of that kind of Star War joy. It's a very bleak movie yeah. and a very downbeat movie, very dour. And in fact, it would have seemed even more dour if my screening had not followed the trailer for the new Batman movie, which seems like a true <laughs> descent into hell, a, a grim vision of a world in which no one exists but criminals and victims, and in which the supposed hero Batman is invulnerable and wades through bullet fire to smash men's heads against walls. Truly, it made my tummy hurt uh, and made me wonder what was happening in the America I did so much to chronicle in my career when this is the kind of escapist entertainment we're looking for when the hero literally says I'm vengeance and then in the last scene the last image is him walking towards a burning car in order to beat a man to a pulp it seems like not the Batman I knew and fell in love with uh, when no. Adam West played him I don't remember any episodes of the old show where Adam West beat a man to a pulp or was shot point blank in the chest or told anyone that he was vengeance. Do you guys remember that? I don't. I just remember the one where he runs around with a bomb. That was hilarious. That's the the, the, film. But it's the film adaptation of the show. I can only imagine that if the current Batman, played by Robert Patterson, was faced with, (laughs) with a similar bomb problem, he would take the bomb and slam it so hard into a bad man's head that the man's head would shatter and then the bomb would of course explode sending fragments into the bodies of several other people. Truly a horrible world that I cannot wait to not visit and not experience but you know me, I'm kind of a geek completist so I may need to go see it and just wade through the bile and feces that is the new Batman movie. Certainly a river of sewage poured into multiplexes nationwide. That's great. Now, Dan, I believe that there is a promo for this episode. Perhaps it's time to throw to it now. <laughs> sure, right after a River of Sewage. Uh, this uh, episode of The Flophouse, uh, 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 nominally a podcast about bad movies, is, is sponsored by Smalls. 
Smalls. It's a it's a it's a food for cats. Give your feline friend yeah. protein packed meals they'll crave with Smalls. And uh, what makes Smalls special? Well, it's fresh, human grade food for cats delivered right to your doorstep. All cats are obligate carnivores. They need fresh, protein packed meals. Conventional cat food is made using low-quality, cheap meat byproducts, grains and starches coated in artificial flavors. Meat byproducts are good enough for you at the baseball game, but not a, not good enough for your cat friend. With the help of cat nutrition... Wait, are you taking the cat to the baseball game? <laughs> I'm just making a comparison. The cat oh, I was going to say, the... because uh, would you, I would wonder then, would you have to buy a seat to place the carrier on mm. it, or are you putting it in your lap, or are you just holding the cat? Because if so, that is a very well-trained cat. Well, there's that cat that ran across the field at, what, Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. this season, and that was the highlight of the game. Yeah, that yeah, was. So that's maybe, true. maybe, maybe yeah. you want, maybe you want to bring your own highlight to the game. <laughs> yeah, with the help of cat nutritionists, Smalls, which is what we're advertising, uh, believe it or not, develops complete and balanced recipes for all life stages. Smalls recipes are gently cooked to lock in protein, vitamins, minerals, and moisture. Better quality ingredients mean a better, healthier life for your cat. Since switching to Smalls. Cats have experienced improved digestion and a less less smelly litter box, softer and shinier coats, plus better breath. And as a cat owner myself, I know that uh, what a cat eats has a huge effect on health, breath, happiness, softness of fur. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, why don't you make your cat happy? Take a short quiz on smalls.com slash flop. To customize your sampler and use code FLOP for a total of 30% off your first order. That's smalls.com slash FLOP, code FLOP. I will say, uh, I also am a a fan. Uh, I uh, take very good care of my three cats, Paul Catrades, Dunkat Idaho, and of course, Mm. uh, Baron Harkitten. They're the loves (laughs) of my life. I just take a look at my my wife, Lorraine Bracco, sometimes jokes that uh, I love the cats more than I love her, Uh which is, of course, course a joke. There's no one I love more than my wife, uh, Lorraine Bracco. We call ourselves the Bracco Brocos, or sometimes the Broca Uh Brocos. Do you call their litter box Arrakis? Uh, I would. I feel like it would be a bit disrespectful uh, to the planet itself. To is there's more than just a place for my cats to deposit their waste? But you know that's a funny idea, and perhaps I'll bring it into my regular slang vocabulary during the day. Mm. Uh, okay. Now, well, I have. I have. Let us uh, know. Yeah, I, I will let you know. I'll keep you updated on that uh, as I. Fold that term into my regular cat box discourse, uh, and perhaps I'll tell my wife Lorraine Rocco that I have to go and uh, and go and search Arrakis for Paul Catrades. She'll know, of course, that I'm not really looking for the cat, but for, of course, yeah. his waist. Uh, Sandworms. Well, hello. I'm Renee Colvert. Hi, I'm Alexis Preston, and we are the hosts of Can I Pet Your Dog? And we got breaking news. We got an expose. And all the beans have been spilled via an Apple podcast review that said this show isn't well researched. <gasps> well, yeah, no duh. Of course it's not. 
Not since the day we started has it been well researched. Guessing and anthropomorphizing dogs is what we do. The Can I Pet Your Dog promise is that we will never do more than 10 seconds of research before telling you excitedly about any dog we see. I'm gonna come at you with top 10 enthusiasm, minimal facts. We're here for a good time, not an educated time. So if you love dogs and you don't love research, well, <laughs> you know what, come on in to Can I Pet Your Dog podcast every Tuesday on Maximum Fun Network. <laughs> Bria, what's your reader wheelhouse? A woman on a journey, space, post-apocalyptic roads, and magical food. Mallory, what's your reader wheelhouse? Werewolves, haunted houses, weird fiction, and uh, books set in Florida for, for some reason. We're reading glasses, and we want to know what your reader wheelhouse is. We can use it to help you find more books that you love. And avoid books that you don't. So whatever you like to read about and however you like to read it, we want to help you read better. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I enjoyed the film, but as I have to say, as I spent time away from it, I did find things about it not totally sitting right for me. And the main thing is somewhat the bleakness of it and the beigeness of it. It's a very overwhelmingly beige film, and there's a certain richness and filigree quality to the ceremony and culture in the books, which is not, I think, fully reflected in the very brutalist architecture and kind of muted costuming of the film. One thing that uh, really struck me was that uh, the Atreides house, it's very clear, is not right for Dune. They are not ready for the challenge of Arrakis, and they will be overwhelmed by it. And yet when they arrive, they're already wearing what I would call Dune tones, rather than the Earth tones, the greens and so forth, you would expect from a forested planet like Caladon. And I kind of wish that the uh, Atreides, House Atreides legions had been dressed in armor that was not fittingly colored for Arrakis, uh, as a way to show how out of place they were. That's just an idea that Denny Villeneuve can borrow from me for <laughs> Dune Part 2, or if he would like to do a Dune Part 1 special edition in which he uses <laughs> CGI to change the colors of the uniforms, much as George Lucas has done in his Star Wars films. Uh, but uh -huh. of course, my largest uh, problem with it is... As I mentioned, when I talked about the trailer of the film, uh, my previous uh, If It Ain't Broke Dune Fix It segment was the absence of Fade Rother. Where is mm -hmm. Fade Rother Raban, the uh, other evil nephew of Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, who, again, as we mentioned, is played by Sting in the other film, and mm -hmm. uh, has a memorable climactic duel with Paul Atreides. Now, I understand from a screenwriting point of view, it makes sense to give your villain one evil nephew rather than two evil nephews. And it, the idea of uh, Dave Bautista playing Fade Rotha, he is laughably large to play that part. He can only play the Beast. Mm -hmm. uh, I assume they've collapsed those characters just into this one nephew of the Beast, Rabban, and that he will have the climactic fight with Paul Atreides. And if you fellows uh, disagree with me, I'm willing to put a little bit of uh, money on it, uh, and we'll see who actually is right about whether there will be a climactic Paul Atreides-Dave Bautista fight in Dune Part 2. So what's the action you guys are willing to give me on this? Uh, 
I don't I should know mention I'm, that I what? have a Dune-based gambling addiction. I've been known oh, to gamble on sure. what is going to happen in the books, which is strange because I've read them all and know what's yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I will oftentimes <laughs> bet my wife that they will have changed since the last time I read them. So alive do I find the story, and I am always wrong, and I always lose. Luckily, we share a bank account, so I don't actually yeah. lose the money, but I do lose yeah. a certain amount of face, and thus my masculinity comes into question. So what odds uh, are you willing to give me on this? A very good bet. Yeah, I don't know that I. I'm sorry, I can't take that action. Although I do, I do appreciate the idea. I think it would be very funny to see a movie in which Timothy Ch- Chalamet fights Dave Bautista. <laughs> not funny. I think it's going to happen, Daniel. It's. A- <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it, I, 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 whether or not it happens. Has it's no going to happen, Dan. Or do you, or would you like, idea. Or would you like to bet me otherwise? <laughs> yeah, it appears uh, It appears Tom has access to the Benny Gesserit uh, oh, sisterhood. Okay. If, only, if only I did, although they are quite frightening in real life, as we saw from Charlotte Rampling's <laughs> performance <laughs> as, the, the, as the, uh, the supreme mother of them. Now, uh, the, uh, the reverend mother. Now, uh, I imagine it would not be that different from the big fight I assume ends the movie Stuber between Dave Bautista and Kamel Nanjiani. Which I have not again seen yeah. the film, but I assume they have a fight to the death at the very end. <laughs> They're on the same side. Uh, uh, I haven't. I, the, the commercials and posters made it seem like Kumail was very afraid of Mr. Batista, and well, I can only assume sure. it is a movie like Collateral, in which Tom Cruise and Jamie right. Foxx were very much not on the same side, <laughs> but on very different sides. I don't know. They seem like they were doing pretty well, but I had to stop it about two thirds of the way through. Yeah. Why did you also have to use the bathroom? Was that the reason? I did, and that's why I stopped the movie entirely is because I'm like, I had to go home, I had to take a shower after going to the bathroom. Even though it was just a number one, I had to wash everything. <laughs> is is that like... usually your routine? It seems like yeah. a real yeah. a real inconvenience. Well, I also suffered a fair amount of splash damage, if you know what I mean. <laughs> damage? Do you, yeah, splash... are you like, do you have acid pee, like some kind of xenomorph? Urine. I think uh, personal <laughs> question. Next, next one. You guys got any more questions about my pee? That, that is a very personal question. I'd like to depersonalize it by asking: Do you think the xenomorph has acid pee? Yeah, that's a good it would question. only make sense. But its drool yeah. is not acidic, is it? I think just its blood. If it was peeing blood, I, I would advise the xenomorph is. to see a urologist immediately. <laughs> Well, and you would also think that it would become a much more popular figure to be peeing on car logos than Calvin because mm-hmm. its pee would disintegrate <laughs> those logos. Yeah, true, true. Well, I mean, maybe the problem is that you can't draw that because you're, the, the the artist is like, oh, this logo would be gone by now, you know? I mean, yeah, but like, <laughs> but the thing is, it's not like a person pees forever. It's not like they're like capturing a moment that will... Lo- Stand forever. You're I mean, saying it's, you're, cap- it's a you're capturing at the very moment that the urine stream arcs up and is just beginning to touch. The- I mean, it seems like that is the way pictures work. Daniel is they <laughs> yeah. they can take <laughs> yeah. any moment in a in an event. It doesn't just have no, to be the, the last thing. one. This this this, this 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 yeah. The portrait artist is like is just so no. strong. It's why there's such a thing as pictures of ice and not just pictures of <laughs> puddles of water. And yes, Stuart, why every portrait is not of a corpse, uh, decayed just to bones. <laughs> <laughs> I find it fascinating, Daniel, that at this point in your life you still have not fully grasped the mechanics of how time works in still no. imagery. <laughs> now, can we talk about one thing that, like, I... I <laughs> it's your podcast. Well, th- thank you. Uh, one thing that bothers me about you, like, as the 
Dune books go on. Again, I've only read the first, but it's my understanding that they're very much uh, sort of a questioning of the white messiah, kind of colonizer messiah, uh, the – what's the word I'm looking for? The Savior? The savior. Yeah, sure. That sort of uh, – Thing. This sort of Lawrence of Arabia, Tarzan type thing, where, I mean, <laughs> Tarzan being, I shouldn't equate the two, but where a white person becomes part of another culture and ultimately conquers it and becomes the best one of it. Yes, yeah. And, and saves uh, it from some other thing or another. Last Samurai or... Yeah, uh, your last Samurais, your, uh, mm, uh, what are some other ones I'm... I'm Forgetting some other ones, I'm sure there are very many. Your John uh, Dancing Carter's. with Wolves is kind of that, I guess. Yeah, sure. You're Dancing with the Wolves. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I just, you know, but in the context of just the first book, which which turns, you know, like foreboding at the end, but is is still kind of a triumphant book, and uh, and certainly the context of just this first part of the movie, it's just kind of a. A weird thing that the film, I don't know, has like laid the track to make me know where it's going with it. Like I, the problem with it as a story that is like incomplete, you know, like there's some weirdness with that, especially when, I don't know, they're like, okay, you got the, the, the white colonizers and sort of the, you know, Arabic coded uh, Fremen, but then you've got like the Harkonnens who... Uh, have the racial problem that a lot of uh, science fiction seems to have where there's just like one race that's just gross <laughs> like or or one family that's just like we're a bunch of like really bald like pale uh like blob men uh I don't know I, there's nothing wrong me. with being bald but I'm saying the way that it's, it's uh, you certainly made said up. it in a pejorative way. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I believe my friend J.K. Simmons would be very unhappy with you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But do you know what you I'm trying to get at? I'm, I'm not to mention my other friend, Howie Mandel. <laughs> the number the nights that me and my friends J.K. and Howie drive around in the dune buggy, that's what I call yeah. my car, and just whoop up the town. They're also big dune heads. They're very valuable to me, and I don't appreciate their baldness being used as a pejorative. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. I'm, I'm saying that I think the movie uses a pejorative. I'm, I apologize in general. Uh, I was telling my friend Elliot, who was here before you came, that I'm very tired right now, so I don't think I'm being as articulate as I, I could be, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? I understand. Not everyone can be as articulate as I am. Yeah. Uh, so... The, I think pronunciation being one of my finest characteristics. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel, I think what you're asking for is partly the que- that uh, you want the answers that part two will provide, but you're not going to get them until part two. No, part of true. the brilliance to me of Dune is that it takes this same sort of Lawrence of Arabia white savior story and mm-hmm. turns it somewhat on its head by showing that the main character understands that by doing this, he is only going to inevitably make the situation worse. And he thinks through his willpower, perhaps he can change that. And 
lead things to a different path, but no, it's impossible. Much like in the story of Oedipus Rex, there is mm. one destined path, and although each of the characters tries to avoid it, all roads lead to him doing his mom, even though every character <laughs> has tried to not let that happen, and that ultimately trying not to make it yeah. happen has only led it to happen. Dune is yeah. someone like that, and I feel like if there is another flaw with the film, I feel like it does not fully communicate clearly that Paul Atreides sees ahead of him a future of almost apocalyptic violence and yeah. makes the choice to follow that future, assuming he can change it, but instead locking his destiny in place. One one small problem I had was that when they showed his vision of his hordes decimating whole cultures, that was represented by roughly a bunch of dudes fighting in the desert and the burning <laughs> of a small pile of bodies, when every time I imagine it while reading the book, I'm imagined, imagining thousands, if not millions, of burning piles of corpses as they lay waste to other civilizations attempting to force them to worship the Madib Kusatardak. But I think what you're looking at is that part one is hopefully the setup that creates our expectations, and then part two will be the payoff that subverts those mm. expectations by making us question that narrative. It's a bit like judging a joke from the punchline. If I said to you, a man walks into a bar and he says, that's you can't judge the joke off of that. I haven't told you yeah, the thing you're that comes right. after. True, yeah. you're of right, course, you're right. the punchline being I'm, I'm ouch. Betting it's good. The punchline oh, is ouch okay. because he walked into oh. a different kind of bar than you thought he oh. walked into. Yeah, 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 oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Oh my god! No, no, no! I, no. I, 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 I think that that's true, and uh, I do think that the problem is it's just hard to give the foreshadowing that's necessary of uh, visions inside his head and like make it clear. It's it's a complex idea for the film to it try and communicate. Very complex, perhaps better described in prose, uh, or maybe they could have just had a character more clearly say it. It's sometimes <laughs> yeah, <that's> it's <laughs> sometimes difficult to know when it's better to have what's called an exposition dump or info dump or ID, meaning info dump, not Independence mm -hmm. Day, which of course is ID four, uh, the hit uh -huh. film, which did not have the plot complexity of Dune, but did have uh, Brent Spiner in it. So you got to give it some credit for that. <laughs> True. Uh, so perhaps it's hard to know when to say it in images and when to say it in words, especially True. since, as Dan has made clear, images can only show the very end of a thing and cannot show <laughs> yeah. the intermediate steps or even the beginning. No. Yeah. I mean that's what that's why they're so useful for fortune telling. Yeah. Oh yes, very much. It's that's why there's the story, the portrait of Dorian Gray is not considered supernatural or even interesting <laughs> because all portraits show the horrible ending of the person who has fainted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a slice of life. It was a very controversial <laughs> book when it came out because people said, "Yeah, we know this. Why did you bother to write a whole book about it?" Mm -hmm. <sighs> I don't here's know how what's, he got here, but I love hey, it. Hey, Oscar Wilde, here's what's truly wild, that you thought we needed to be told how portraits work. <laughs> you burned them. You really got them. Should be Oscar Wilde, right? Talk about Oscar Wilde. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> did you guys, here, this is a little off topic, but when you saw the movie Something Wild, okay. did you expect to see Oscar Wilde in the film? Because I did. Yes. I guess I well, forgot I that his name is spelled differently. Yeah, that's your mistake. There's a... 
there's a terminal E on, it on is Wild. The and, same issue I have every time I watch Wild America, thinking I'm going to see Oscar Wilde's Adventures yeah, in America, yeah. which he had, but instead it's just a nature documentary. What about so, Wild Things? Did you have the same issue? Because you would have loved kept it. Waiting, Guys, I, said, I, I said, think we can all agree that Oscar Wilde would have loved Wild. <laughs> Oscar Wilde would have found it air of sluggish decadence to, and and lugubrious, uh, let's call scandal. He would have found it really up his alley. Yeah. Oscar Wilde would have given it, I think, four velvet stars. <laughs> In fact, I feel like I want to tell the producers of the film Wilde, and just go ahead and put a blurb from Oscar Wilde on the box. You know he would have loved it. <sighs> Now, I think to finish off my thoughts about Dune Part 1 of the film, I think that I was uh, heartened by it. It felt like a nice, straightforward adaption of the story. It did not reach the same heights of transcendence that I find in the book, but then what does? I'm sure if they made a movie of the Bible, it would, which they've never done, but maybe someday, yeah. I'm sure it would not reach the same heights of uh, religious importance for people. Otherwise, they'd stop printing Bibles and they'd just show people that movie, which would be inconvenient when formats <laughs> changed and you'd have to get a whole new one when you bought a DVD player or a Laserdisc or yeah, what have yeah. you. Uh, but I feel like there's promise in there for Dune Part 2, and I just hope that the second part has a little bit more of the um, uh, feeling of life that Her Frank Herbert brings to Arrakis. I would love to see if in the second part, as Paul learns more about life on Arrakis and surviving there, if the planet itself looked less beige and dead and took on more of a vibrancy. It's just another idea I'm throwing out there for Danny Villano to take. Go for it. I will not sue you if you use it. That is fine with me. Uh, but... For if it ain't Brokaw, Dune fix it. I've been America's favorite newsman, Thomas J. Brokaw. The J stands for just reading Dune. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, I think I think Elliot originally started this mini, so I'm gonna let him him finish it. Let's. Uh, I just want to say before we do that, I, this is one of those episodes that makes me delighted and mystified that people listen to the show and seem to enjoy it. <laughs> hey guys, uh, I'm back. Tom Brokaw just let me out of the bathroom. He locked me in. I don't know. Oh, I assume, wow. uh -huh, I don't yeah. know what he was talking about. I assume probably. Yeah. Locked uh, it with a chair or whatever. Yeah, he, he had put a chair up there and then he said, <laughs> and then he, and then he said, see a sucker and just walked out. Um, uh -huh. I guess we're wow. running, we're running out of time. So I'm going to have to uh, talk about Adam Warlock at some future episode. Uh, Do you think they cast that kid because his eyebrows look like Adam Warlock's eyebrows? I have to assume that's what it was. You got to cast eyebrow what first. What do those with eyebrows look like? Like kind of pointy on the sides. Oh, pointy. I mean, you pointy can't brow. do that with makeup effects. That's no. like a eyebrows. Well -known thing. We don't I was, have the technology. I was listening to an interview with Rick Baker. We saying that eyebrows are still the Achilles heel of any makeup artist. It's just impossible. Yeah. So when you yeah. want to have a character with crazy eyebrows, you got to go out and get a crazy eyebrow person. You know, or train two caterpillars to <laughs> just hang out. That's if they, uh -huh. it's you laugh, but that's the easiest it's, solution. It's they worked found. for Peter Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this well, the funny Peter Gallagher. The funny thing is that he was he was trying a new skin treatment where you put glue on your face, and two caterpillars crawled on while he was sleeping with the glue, and they just got stuck there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was sleeping under a uh, uh, a rose bush. <laughs> that was his mistake. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, what a charming idea. <laughs> well, uh, it makes, I think it, uh, we, could, we should leave on that, on that delightful note of uh, Peter, Peter Gallagher <laughs> with uh, caterpillars on his eyes, on his yeah. face. Um, uh, I'll come back next time, I guess, to explain Adam Warlock to everybody. Yeah, I, do, I do hope to do that. I can't wait to listen to this episode and find out what you guys were talking about with Tom Brokaw. I imagine it was mm-hmm. pretty straightforward and, uh, <laughs> and made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for the Flophouse, I've been Elliot Kalin. I've been Dan McCoy. And I'm still Stuart Wellington. Bye. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.